Mark just let me know that it was time to begin. So it must be time to begin. So let me start by giving you a warm welcome to our service of prayer and God's word this morning. Uh, well done for everyone who's braved the rain. Uh, God loves everything that he's made, but he looks with special favour upon those who come out in the rain, I think, doesn't he? So well done. <laughs> and uh, equally warm welcome to those of you who are joining us from uh, your lounge rooms online. It's great to be um, all together this morning, isn't it? Uh, Andrew Graham, our uh, 8 o'clock minister, is not with us this morning. Uh, I'm subbing in for him. He is making his way to Bexley for the baptism of his three grandchildren. So we give thanks for all those things, for Andrew, for his grandchildren, for the fact that we don't have to go to Bexley this morning as well in the rain. Well, friends, it's good to be together here, isn't it? So I invite uh, you to join with me as we begin our service by lifting our hearts and voices to God in praise as we sing our first hymn together. Let's stand and sing, O Jesus, I've Promised.
Please be seated. Please be seated indeed. Well, welcome again to our service of prayer and word this morning. Uh, my name is Scott. I'm one of the ministers here. If I've not yet had a chance to meet you, it's really nice to uh, have you um, in church today or at home uh, and to be together sharing in this uh, series of stories of grace that we've been um, tracking through for the last um, six weeks or so. Today's a uh, chance to wrap up that series and we'll be looking for our final story of grace at the Apostle Paul's protege called Timothy and uh, our youth minister, uh, Stuart, will be bringing that message about Timothy, sort of famous young man of the scriptures, wasn't he, Timothy? So we thought it was fitting for a famous young man on the staff team, Stuart, to be bringing the message to us. Some of you might be making jokes about him having to get up early today to be with us. Truth is, he's got a toddler, so he's probably up earlier than the rest of us. Uh, we look forward to hearing how, um, I, I guess, uh, from the example of Timothy, older folks can impact younger folks, and younger stories of grace can also be great encouragement to those of us who are older as well. Now, I'm not connecting these two that tightly, but we'll also be hearing from Colin Judge, and he'll be sharing his own story of grace. And uh, I really am not saying to you, Colin, that you're an older story of grace, just that you are a story of grace, brother, and we look forward to seeing that later on. Well, we're going to have a time of extended um, prayer now uh, that's going to include reciting a psalm together, but we're going to begin with the prayer of preparation and also a prayer of thanksgiving that you'll be able to follow along and join with me in praying the words on the screen behind me. Well, let's pray this prayer of preparation. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. We also want to pray prayers of thanksgiving often in all circumstances as we're encouraged to by scripture. So let's join in praying this prayer of thanksgiving. Gracious God, we humbly thank you for all your gifts so freely given to us, for life and health and safety, for power to work, leisure to rest, and for all that is beautiful in creation and human life. But above all, we praise you for our saviour, Jesus Christ, for his death and resurrection, for the gift of your spirit, and for the hope of sharing in your glory. Fill our hearts with all joy and peace in believing, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now going to recite some of the words from Psalm 145 together, which is a real encouragement um, to us to express our humble dependence upon God in prayer. So let's pray these words together as well. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. 
The Lord is righteousness in his ways and loving toward all he has made. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Amen. We continue to pray. Father God, you encourage us to humble ourselves under your mighty hand with a promise that you will lift us up in due time. And so we cast our anxiety on you because you care for us and we express the desires of our hearts to you in prayer. Forgive us for our folly and hubris uh, for when we fail to look to you and look to the best worldly options among us, whether that's our own ingenuity or the advice of friends. <clears throat> and so, Father God, when we look at our world and particularly in view of the war in Ukraine and other parts of the world, we plead with you as the God of nations to look upon our broken and divided world with mercy. We ask that you might do something extraordinary in the hearts of all men and women by planting your peace there and putting away from us the spirit that makes for discord and war so that all people can learn to live in harmony and in obedience to your laws. We're conscious in small ways that uh, schools have been on break these past few weeks and so as students and staff return to school we thank you that the government schools in our area each have a scripture teacher under the Anchor RE scripture teaching banner so we pray for your protection this term over Kieran Kobelke, Susie McDonald and Ben Adamo in Balgala Boys, McKellar Girls and Manly Selective High Schools. We ask that you might give them energy and inspiration for the classes that they run that each of those classes would be filled with a there'd be a humility and a, willing to, a willingness to learn among the students rather than a desire to horse around or impress their friends. Pray that you might move students by your spirit to join in the breakfast groups and the rowing clubs and lunchtime groups where students can experience a stronger sense of Christian community. And so we just, we give over that ministry to you today and ask that many of these young people who don't know you, wouldn't, maybe not have even heard of the name Jesus, would know intimately about him and then would come to find the truth and grow in relationship with him. And Lord, for the break in routine that some of us have enjoyed in the school holidays, we want to give you thanks for that opportunity to rest and relax. We pray that as school resumes for a rocket of a final term, that you would give the teachers and the students the stamina to finish the year well. I want to pray especially for the HSC students who start their exams this coming Wednesday. Give them peace each day so that their minds would be clear and focused on the topic for the day. Pray that you'd really help them to persevere with their studies and to not give up. Pray that that might be a great opportunity for them to develop character and habits that will um, suit them um, in their future endeavours. We also pray you might give them deep rest each night and they might feel your comfort at times when thoughts become overwhelming or when they're tempted to give up. And Lord, finally, we ask that you would give us eyes to see what you see, ears to hear your words carefully, hearts that are moved to action when we see people in need. And let us be quick to offer not just words of comfort and truth, but actions in accordance with them. And we pray all these things in the loving name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, I invite you to uh, join with me as we finish our time of prayer by saying or praying the Lord's Prayer together.
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Well, friends, we're now going to watch the video news for this week. second it's great to have you join us we'd love to be in touch with you and for that to happen there's an online connection card which you'll see under the seats in front of you it's got a QR code which we're all very familiar with just scan that you can take the card with you do it at home but we'd love you to connect with us so that we can be in touch with you that way we can help you find out any questions you might have uh, how to answer them and also any things you'd like to get involved in Today, in terms of our church news, the main thing to update us on is a staffing announcement. And sadly, uh, I've got to give you the news that Trish Appleby, our Assistant Families and Children's Minister, has given me her notice that she's going to be finishing up in her role in three months' time, mid-January. I was very sad to hear this news as she's done such a great job working to hold the kids' ministry together with James uh, and Ellen following Naomi's departure back in 2020. Trish has been outstanding in the way she's helped to transition the ministry and get it ready for our new families minister, minister, Jamie Post, to take over. It is worth noting that Trish is finishing up due to personal issues revolving around her need to help her extended family on the weekends. She's actually very sad to leave uh, because she's loved working on the team and in the ministry and with the families and the children. She and her husband, John, are going to continue to be members here at the church and involved as volunteers going forward. I will update the church in the next few weeks about plans we have for searching for a replacement. And if you've got any inquiries or queries about that, please come and see me. Lastly, as we continue to recover from the pandemic, one of our key needs is increasing our weekly and monthly giving. And if you're yet to begin contributing regularly financially, uh, as a contributing member here at St Matthews, we'd love you to be a part of that and contribute to the finances of the church, which typically it's all done by volunteer donations. You can get all the information on that on our Give page on the website for electronic giving. Alternately, uh, today you could use the FPOS machine that's up the back of church after the service. But that's it from me. May the Lord bless you as you seek to serve him in all that you do. Well, um, hey Trish, I want to say it's not too late. You don't have to leave. <laughs> Please stay. <laughs> um, friends, we're now going to join in our uh, offertory hymn, our next hymn. So I invite you to stand as we sing that together. And after that will be the next story of grace before our Bible reading and Stuart brings the message. Let's stand and sing together.
I, I again am staggered at how God puts people in place for me, for, for others, for you, for those that, that love Jesus, and even before he was doing that in my life. Well, my name is Colin Judge. I'm married to Pamela, and uh, we have been attending St. Matt's for probably the last three years. And as a, a young person through my early teenage years into my last couple of years at high school, I was quite a verbally aggressive atheist, uh, particularly uh, with a couple of uh, Christian mates that I was at school with, um, even to the point that pretty much every day on our way home from high school, uh, for the last couple of years, we would stand on a, on a corner of a street uh, where two of them lived and I would debate quite um, firmly uh, all the weaknesses in their Christian faith and I felt that I destroyed them. Um, looking back, I hadn't, but I thought I was winning. And I think it was God's grace that he put me in that circumstance with those two guys. Um, we were, well, in our last year at high school, we were 17 years old. We thought we had the answers to everything, or I did. Um, but what I didn't know was every day when we were on that street corner uh, in the house opposite uh, was the youth minister at Nawi Baptist Church, which was the local church. And he didn't know me. And he was sitting at his study desk and he started to pray for me, um, not knowing me at all. And he did that for some months, every time he would see us there. About a month after I'd uh, left high school, I started to attend Nawi Baptist Church, and I was chasing girls. Uh, it was a big youth group. Uh, I wasn't interested in Christian things at all, other than debating very strongly. Uh, went to a a New Year's Eve party at one of the, the kids in the youth group's uh, home, uh, swimming pool, having a fantastic night, and then noticed the, the, the girl who lived in that house, the most beautiful blonde I've ever seen in my life. And I remember uh, at one point during the night, because I was pretty cool, I thought I had it all, I, I walked up to her and I said, would you like to go out for a milkshake? And she said, no. And now I couldn't believe that, because I thought I, I had it all. Um, and I said, why? Um, and she said, because you're not a Christian. And it just hit me between the eyes. First time in my life I'd ever met a teenager whose Christian commitment meant so much that it in fact encompassed all her life, and particularly uh, somebody to date. But it really did stand me up and make me think about faith and what it could mean in somebody's life. I did continue to go to youth group, even though I was absolutely shattered, uh, and went to their Bible studies, church, uh, seeking, challenging. And then one evening, after the, uh, the, the, the evening service, youth group was in the hall and I remember it was only the youth minister and I sitting in the hall uh, and again I was strongly debating a particular Christian issue but what I didn't know was in the in the little foyer outside 
were a group of about a dozen of the young people from the youth group sitting there praying for my conversion. Again, God's grace in, in placing those incredible young people there with such a commitment. And that night, I actually decided that I couldn't run from God anymore. And I gave my life to Jesus. That was the 23rd of January, 1966, a Sunday night. Changed my life, changed my, uh, my options for what I was going to do the rest of my life. Uh, and interestingly, a month later, I asked that beautiful blonde out on a date again. And she said yes. Um, and we dated and were engaged. And five years later, we married. Had four incredible children who are now adults with their own families. And I guess our life was committed to, to lay ministry in that church for, well, that extended period. I reckon this concept of, of God's grace um, coming to us in, in a whole range of ways and times in our life, I'm still staggered by that. Um, God loved me enough, uh, even yet while I was a sinner, um, he was setting up these wonderful people, um, and young people, most of them, uh, to minister to me, um, to bring me to Jesus. Um, I can do no less than try and um, be a vehicle for God's grace to other people and thank him for his uh, saving grace to me. In 2004, after all of that ministry activity and kids involved in, in the whole thing, my wife died. Um, I grieved terribly. She was a chronic asthmatic. Um, and in the end, that, that just collapsed her body uh, in the end. I, I can recollect sitting in the ICU with her and my kids and, and their partners, um, holding a hand, singing to her um, when she took her last breath. Um, the grief was almost unbearable. Uh, I still feel it now. Um, the thing, again, that I think got me through was obviously my relationship with the Lord, but again, God's grace in the people he put around me. Uh, my children, who were, seemed to me were refined and strengthened through that horrific period in their Christian faith. Uh, my friends and, and um, fellow worshippers at, at church and such a support mechanism from my home group, my growth group. I, I again am staggered at how God puts people in place for me, for, for others, for you, for those that, that love Jesus, and even before he was doing that in my life. Uh, what an extraordinary um, opportunity that was in the midst of grief to experience God's grace again in my life. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Colin, for sharing that. It's amazing. 
The reading today is from the book of uh, 2 Timothy, chapter 2, starting at verse 1. It's on page 1198 in your church Bibles. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he, will, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. That's the end of the reading. Well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be here with you this morning. Uh, thank you for having me along. Uh, I am usually up at this time, uh, you'll be pleased to know, uh, but it's lovely being able to come and visit. Um, we are, of course, finishing up our Stories of Grace series this week, as uh, Scott was saying, where we've been plucking some lesser-known characters out of the Bible and looking at their story and how God's grace changed their life. Uh, and this week, we've plucked out Timothy. And unlike Hezekiah last week, Timothy does have a couple of books in the Bible with his name on them, and we didn't write them. Uh, and even though there's those two letters written to him, there's not a whole stack written about him in the Bible. Although, as Scott was saying before, there's one thing that is kind of commonly known about Timothy, and it's that he's the youth guy. Timothy is our kind of Bible youth pastor in a way. Uh, and fittingly, uh, we've brought out the youth minister for today. And if you've ever been to uh, a youth group or a youth Bible study or a graduation at a Christian school or a confirmation service, then chances are you've kind of heard the youth version of Timothy pop up somewhere and the chance, there's more chance that it's been accompanied with a kind of cool graphic, uh, something like this. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. It's a nice verse for our young folk, isn't it? Kind of... Uh, stirs them up hopefully or maybe just kind of reinforces some teenage arrogance i'm not sure uh, and so we're going to kind of look at timothy uh, with our eyes on our young people uh, with this kind of official youth verse of the youth uh, of, of the new testament um, we're looking at our young people today because 
Uh, being young, being a teenager, is, is tough, isn't it? I mean, we were all teenagers at one point. I had my own moments as a tricky teenager. There I am, 16 years old, being real kooky in my sister's jumper. Uh, and I'm sure you kind of had that teenage period as well, uh, where you thought that life was tough. We all had to deal with school and friendships and parents and teachers and romance and figuring out who you are as a person. But for me, whew, I was not fun to deal with at times during those teenage years. Kind of like what Colin mentioned in that video, uh, I thought that I had it all figured out and what I'd figured out, teenage Stew, was that my life is hard and no one gets me. No one understands. Pretty common phrase, I think. Being young has always been tough. There are tough things to deal with, even if they get overblown by teenage brains every now and again. And I'm sure that this week, uh, you've heard some other kind of tough news in the media. I'm sure you've seen something about Andrew Thorburn uh, on the news, this uh, bloke who was appointed the CEO of Essendon Football Club and resigned within 24 hours after some outcry about his involvement with a controversial church, uh, not dissimilar to our own. Uh, and in fact, uh, if you read Bruce's email, where, which is the fount of all knowledge, I think, uh, it turns out that Andrew was a member here uh, back in the day. Uh, Andrew didn't do anything or say anything to bring about this downfall that's publicly played out in our nation. He was simply associated with this Christian church. And as I watched the news play out this week, I kept on thinking how different our culture is, even to when I was a 16-year-old wearing my sister's jacket. It wasn't all that long ago, I don't think. And to be honest, my, my gut reaction as I reflected on that was, was to get really worried. Really worried for my little girl, my 18-month-old daughter Stevie, and the world that she is going to grow up in. Uh, you might have felt something similar this week. Wondering how our young people are meant to grow up as Christians in a culture that simply isn't happy with them being Christians. Is being a young Christian just going to become too, being too tough? Is it going to be possible? Well, Timothy's story of grace has something to say to our young people as well as our less young people. And so we're going to use 2 Timothy 2 to guide us through that story. So keep your Bibles open there. But first of all, we need to figure out who exactly is this Timothy bloke? Well, he first pops up in Acts chapter 16, which is kind of the biggest chunk we have about him written in the Bible, uh, where Luke writes that Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewish believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him and Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So Timothy is a young man who joins Paul's missionary journey. And I think the kind of best link that I've been able to come up with is that Timothy is kind of like the early church version of Alexander Hamilton. Any, any fans of the Broadway musical Hamilton in the room? Couple? Okay, well, these, these next jokes might be a bit lost on you, but we'll see how we go. Uh, there's some similarities between uh, Alexander Hamilton, kind of one of the founding fathers, all that stuff, 
Uh, the musical's good, watch it, and these jokes will make sense because they're lyrics or song titles from the musical. Both of these guys were relatively big nobodies. They were young, scrappy, and hungry. Timothy is a young leader uh, from a mixed family, a family that didn't really make sense in the early church uh, and so wouldn't have been an obvious person to put in charge. Uh, both of them got caught up in a big new movement for Alexander Hamilton. It was the revolution. For Timothy, it was the early church and they were not giving away their shot. Another lyric. <laughs> Uh, Timothy joins Paul and works with him, telling people about Jesus. And those around them uh, saw that they were both non-stop hard workers. Timothy had a reputation beyond his own town as a young Christian. And both became the right-hand man of the guy who was kind of heading the movement. Paul wrote to the Philippians that he had no one like Timothy. He was his right-hand man. And both were in the room where it happened. They both were at the center of this new movement that burst onto the scene. And Timothy got to learn of Paul and be part of this early church movement. Now, that's about where the similarities stop. And apologies. You know, go, go and watch Hamilton. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's a good laugh. But young Timothy, he travels along with Paul, visits churches as Paul's representative, and is eventually sent to look after a group of churches on his own even though he's young. And along the way, he develops this close relationship with Paul. He's kind of taken under his wing. And in the letters that Paul writes to Timothy, he calls him my true son in the faith and my dear son. Really familiar, loving phrases. And we see this closeness again in the kind of overall letter of to Timothy. Paul is in prison again. This is likely his last letter that he wrote that we still have a copy of. And while Paul is in prison, a whole bunch of his previous supporters have abandoned him. It's too hard to keep on supporting this guy who is thrown into prison constantly. So Timothy, Paul, and the early church, they're all facing tough times, opposition. Uh, it's hard to get this movement going. And it's into this situation that Paul writes Timothy's second letter. So we'll have a look at 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 1. What's the first instruction that Paul has for this troubled young Christian in this chapter? He writes, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And really, this could be the byline for our whole Stories of Grace series, couldn't it? Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The big thing that Paul wants Timothy to do in the face of trouble, in a world that's hostile to him being a Christian is be strong in grace. Now, this is a relatively unnatural thing for young men to want to be strong in. Young men tend to long for strength in themselves. I live just out the back here next to church, and on Friday and Saturday night, the people spill out of the pubs in Manly, and I get to see and hear young men being strong in themselves, trying to show how tough they are as they mingle on the street. But Paul doesn't want Timothy to be strong in his own power or brains or charisma. He wants him to be strong in the grace of Jesus. And if there's one thing that I want, it's for the young people of St. Matt's, and indeed for all our people, 
to be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. Just in the previous chapter, Paul reminded Timothy about grace and what it is. Have a look at chapter 1, verse 9. He says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life. It's a wonderful summary of grace here. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What wonderful words. God's riches at Christ's expense indeed. The undeserved gift of life is what Timothy is to be strong in. The pinnacle of history where God restores mankind and gives them a way back to himself. It's the foundation for everything. It's what Timothy is to be strong in. And this is why we cannot ever let ourselves get bored of grace. Sometimes it can be tempting to think, yep, grace, heard that before. Jesus died for me, I didn't deserve it, I get it. Let's move on to something a bit more meaty. But we never graduate from grace. We need to keep reminding ourselves just how earth-shattering it is that the Lord of all would reach out to us sinners and call us his own. All Christians need to be strong in grace in the face of challenges, don't they? The work of Jesus' grace in Timothy and the way that it helps him uh, progress as a believer is why Paul could write that verse to him in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, in faith, and in purity. Trying really hard or studying lots of books or being from the right family or turning up to church enough or going to leadership development camps weren't going to enable Timothy to be an example in speech, conduct, love, faith and purity. Only one thing would. Grace. Now fast forward a bit and it seems like Timothy did just that. He stayed strong in grace. He became the bishop of Ephesus and helped guide the church through those tricky early days in the midst of hostile aggression. Not through his own strength, of course. Through the strength in the grace of Jesus. And boy, do I have to remind myself of that regularly. How often do I face troubles and just kind of sit and grip my teeth and try and push through on my own strength? How often do I face a, a situation and do I, I start working out how to solve it myself rather than praying? How often do I stress and worry about how I could possibly make it as a Christian in this world instead of reminding myself of the grace that started it all? Be strong in grace. It's a firm foundation in a world of change and uncertainty. It was firm for Timothy. It's firm for us. But Timothy's story of grace also shows us the essential role that often our older people have of passing on grace. In verse 2, Paul tells Timothy, The things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, 
entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Pass on that grace. Did you know that the plural of octopus is octopuses, not octopi? Uh, My wife, Andy, hates octopuses. Look at it. Now, it's not necessarily because of the eight creepy arms that can grow back if you cut them off, or their spooky, lifeless eyes, or the fact that they have a beak. The sea creature has a parrot beak. That's creepy, but that's not what freaks Andy out. It's their complex brains and problem-solving abilities. Octopus facts, here we go. Two-thirds of an octopus's neurons are in its arms. That means an octopus can essentially think in each of its arms. Each arm can do something different and accomplish a different task all at the same time. And to quote my wife, she says, the only thing that has stopped octopuses taking over the world and mankind is the fact that there's no intergenerational transfer of knowledge. More octopus facts, here we go. After reproducing, an octopus simply floats away into the ocean and dies. Both mum and dad. There you go. No intergenerational transfer of knowledge. God knew what he was doing when he made octopuses. Otherwise, we'd all be in trouble. Now, Timothy's story of grace is the exact opposite to octopuses. We heard in Acts that Timothy's mother was a Jew who had come to believe in Jesus. And Timothy didn't just have the the knowledge of grace magically appear in him. It was passed onto him by his family. At the start of this letter, Paul writes, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Very unlike octopuses, isn't it? This grace was passed down to Timothy through intergenerational transfer. And Timothy's story is not unlike mine. Even by name, actually, my grandmother's sister's name is Lois, which I think is close enough. Now, my grandmother taught my mum about grace, and my mum taught me. She's probably the person who had the biggest impact on me as a young believer. And if there was ever a Bible passage that kind of upheld the office of mum in high regard, it's this one, isn't it? Timothy, this young leader who has a profound impact on the early church, would not have been there without his mum's faithful teaching. And to those of you who are parents and grandparents, we are called to the same thing. Passing on grace to our kids. It's one of the most profound things that you could do. That's why the Bible is packed full of instruction to teach kids about God. And it's worth thinking about how your house might be a house that teaches kids about God. That those things will change as kids grow up, of course, and as grandkids come onto the scene, but it could be things as simple as reading Jesus' books at bed. Imagine if every time it's a sleepover at Nan and Pop's place, there was just wonderful Christian stories read out of beautiful kids' Bibles. 
My pick of the bunch is the Jesus Storybook Bible, if you're looking for something to buy and keep on the shelf. It's beautifully illustrated and tells the story of Jesus' grace in every single chapter. It's wonderful. I, I read it to Stevie every single night, one chapter, uh, and Andy will often walk in and find me with Stevie on my lap reading the book and me just crying as a beautiful truth about God is made so fresh and new to me in a simple way out of a kid's Bible. They're wonderful things. Maybe even just buy one for yourself. Now, books might not be everyone's cup of tea, especially as kids age, but just talking about Jesus regularly as a family or when the grandkids are around might be the way that you impact that next generation of your biological family. Uh, if kids did what we want, they would all gather around and have a Bible study with us, but they don't. They're little sinners. And so maybe just that one extra thing in your day might help impact this next generation. A Colin Buchanan song in the car. A question about what you're learning in Sunday school. Grace before a meal. Even just talking about God is a way that we can impact this next generation and pass on grace. But it's not just biological family that passes on grace to Timothy. It was the family of believers too. Remember, Timothy had a spiritual father in Paul. Timothy was taught and nurtured by Paul as they traveled and worked together in the gospel. And it was onto the foundation that was laid by his family that Paul passed more grace on to Timothy. The gospel message of grace needs to be passed on to others. And so even if you don't have children or grandkids of your own, you still have children to teach. The kids and youth of St. Matt's are your family. And our church has a long history of passing on grace to its younger members. Now the same thing happened to me when I was at youth group as a teenager. The same thing happened to Colin in his story of grace, which we so wonderfully heard. And I can't think of a better advertisement for youth ministry than Colin's video, so thanks for that, Colin. And there's lots of ways we can do this. We have, our, of course, our official kids and youth ministries at church. Uh, and don't think that being a kids and youth leader means that you have to have been born in the 2000s. It's not true. We would love to work with more people in caring for and growing our kids and youth. But of course, it's not just official youth, ministry, uh, youth and kids ministry channels. There's just being a grace-filled church member, saying hi to a kid or a young person and learning their name will go a long way. And just listening to them talk about some TV show you've never heard of while they've got their finger in their nose and then they'll just kind of run away again. That is a wonderful way that you can pass on grace to the young children of your church family. You can also pray for them. And please do. Colin had a whole room of people praying for him. Imagine what could happen if we had a whole church of people praying for our young ones to come to a knowledge of the grace of Jesus. What a wonderful thing to be a part of passing on the grace of Jesus to the next generation, enabling them to be strong in grace. 
And God has wonderfully designed us so that when we pass on grace to others, we are reminded of it and strengthened in it ourselves. So it's a win-win when we pass on grace to the next generation. Be strong in grace, pass that grace on. It all seems relatively simple, right? But in our world where it's tough to be a Christian and things happen in the media that get us worried and we're not sure how many young people are going to keep on believing in Jesus if the stats keep going the way they are, how do we push on in grace together? How do we progress? First of all, taking Paul's example, don't sugarcoat it. Yes, being a Christian is great. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. The grace of Jesus gives me new life and access to a deeper love with God and relationship with others as I'm made to be more like Him. And that's the same for all of us who have experienced grace. It is the best thing, but it doesn't mean that everything is easy. You know that. In verse 3, Paul says, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Being a Christian is going to bring suffering just like it did for Paul and Timothy. But it's not all for nothing. And some of this is what our older generations can teach to our younger who, like me at 16, thinks that my life is hard and no one really understands. You know what it's like. You've been through it. And Paul uses three images to show Timothy what this suffering as a Christian is like soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Do you see the thing that the three of these kind of have in common? All of them give up something now, go through a hardship now, go through sweat now for the sake of some greater future cause. A soldier puts his own needs and even his own safety aside as he obeys his commanding officer. And he does this to win the war. An athlete works hard, they get up early and train and sweat and eat right, not for its own sake, but to win the champion's crown. And a farmer gets up early, tills, sows, weeds, waters and waits, all with expectation that the crop will grow and he'll have both food to eat and food to sell. Our eyes need to be fixed on the bigger picture, on what's to come. We don't suffer for the gospel for the sake of it. We don't suffer just because that's the way it is and too bad. We suffer because greater things are coming. We're waiting for Jesus to come and make all things new. Waiting for a time when we'll experience his grace in profound new ways as we're transformed along with the world that he transforms. Think about what Paul's telling Timothy in these three images. He says, suffer with me. None of these things are done alone, are they? A soldier sacrifices his own needs alongside bands of others. Whether private, captain or major, they all work together and suffer together towards their goal. An athlete won't get far training by themselves. They need a coach to train them, someone who's been there before. That's you. To help them along, correct their technique, push them, keep going when they want to give up. And a farmer will accomplish little on his own. The more help he has, the more he can plant, care for, and harvest. 
We don't do the Christian life alone. We progress in grace together, young and old. We strengthen and teach one another in the face of suffering. The younger with hopefully some vigor and newness as they experience Jesus' grace and the less young with a head that has seen suffering before and assurance in the grace of Jesus that gets you through. Timothy would have been tempted many times to give up along the way. His church was full of problems. His friends were giving up and abandoning Paul. So Paul reminds Timothy why he can continue. He says in verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. This is the gospel. Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah from God, raised in eternal victory over the grave. We worship a God who has sealed that victory over sin and death. Jesus Christ, raised from the dead. No matter how many Christian CEOs are forced from their position, no matter how many state premiers label us hateful and bigoted, no matter how many, uh, how many times our culture moves away from God and feels like it's never coming back, no, how, no matter how many Christians might end up being put in chains, Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, God's word is not chained. There's a certainty and a hope there that so often we fail to see as we look at our little piece of history. Because we don't sacrifice and fight like soldiers who are always on the cusp of losing or winning the war. We fight beside one another for a God who has already won. We don't sweat and train for an event that we might not win if we don't put in enough effort. We are promised the crown of victory. We don't farm in fear of drought or fire or storms. We work knowing full well there will be a full harvest. Jesus has won. He's overthrown the grave. His word does not fail. And that means when we suffer for the gospel, we can rally each other with the promises of King Jesus. When the world looks like it's fallen to bits around us, we can know that there's nothing in it that can separate us from his love. When our government seems to move away from the kingdom, we can know with certainty there is no power which will overthrow his kingdom. There isn't even a moment of doubt or unfaithfulness in us that can stop Jesus keeping his promise. It was the same for Timothy. He had moments of weakness. He needed to be reminded by Paul to focus on the gospel. He needed to be encouraged to flee the sins of youth. This young leader felt unsure as he followed Jesus in hard times, and we will too. Our young people will too. But the faithfulness and victory of Jesus means that we can be strong in grace. We can pass on grace and we can progress in grace together, even if we stumble. 
even if we doubt, even if we worry, together we can remind each other the victory is won. Christ Jesus, descended from David, raised from the dead. Nothing we come past changes those facts. Paul finishes with a nice little poem, which I think summarizes some of this. And so we'll finish with this too. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. It's the wonderful news and certainty we have in the story of grace, even in a world where being a young Christian seems tough. Why don't you pray with me? Our Lord God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for Timothy's story of grace. We thank you that even though he was a bit of a young nobody, you used him to make a big impact. And Lord, we pray for our young people in our church that they would be captured by the grace that captured Timothy and they too will hold firm to you. They will be strong in grace, that they would uh, push on in a world where it's tricky being a young Christian. Lord, we ask that you might use them in mighty ways to have great impacts and not just your church family here, but all over the place. Lord, we ask for us that uh, as we guide our young people through a challenging world, that you would help us to not give up hope, not lose sight of the victory that is won over the grave. Lord, help us pass on that grace with an absolute certainty that nothing can separate us from your love. Lord, as we do this together, may we be uplifted and encouraged and may this church continue for generations to come to have a wonderful history of sharing this grace with the young people both near and far from you in jesus name we pray amen Well, thanks so much, Stu, and uh, thank you again, Colin, for being willing to share your story of grace. Uh, it's been wonderful, actually, to see those two things dovetail so neatly um, across the series. Well, friends, we now have an opportunity to finish our time together by singing our final hymn. So I invite you to stand and join in together. <laughs> Thank you.
seated as we finish. It's been a wonderful morning, hasn't it? An opportunity that we have to continue in fellowship in the function room in just a moment. We might warm up with a, a hot cup of tea or coffee and some friendly conversation. So I invite you to join us there. Uh, even if it's your first morning with us, you'd be especially welcome to join us uh, through the courtyard and into the function room. But it has been a good morning, hasn't it? Um, to hear those words, I think Colin first spoke them, about God's grace in putting people into our lives. I wonder if you, when you walked in this morning, you considered yourself part of God's grace to one another here uh, in all sorts of circumstances. So that when the Apostle Paul says to the young Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, he's not just saying, don't let those old people look down on you, young fella. Um, but he's also encouraging those of us who are older to pass on that grace, old to young, both in our biological families but also in our spiritual families. And then for all of us together to progress in grace with a, a genuine knowledge that a crown of victory awaits those of us who persevere. Well, let's finish in the words of the blessing, which is going to come up on the screen, I think, and let's say this to one another. Well, may the God of hope fill us all with joy and peace as we trust in him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. I'll see you at morning tea.